Hey everyone, and welcome to the Kodakery. I'm Megan. And I'm Josh. Coming in around 120 pages each, Monster Children Magazine is a substantial, beautifully curated quarterly lifestyle publication that digs deeper into the lives behind surfers, skateboarders, musicians, artists, and more. To talk with us about how print is still thriving in 2017, co-founder and creative director Campbell Milligan joined us this week. He gave us great insight into what goes on behind the scenes to bring it all together and how analog culture is woven throughout. So let's jump into the Kodakery and talk with Campbell. Hey everybody, welcome to the Kodakery. Today in the Kodakery, we have with us one of the founders and the current creative director of my new favorite magazine, Monster Children. It's an incredible publication. The design is beautiful. It's something that I would really encourage people to check out. And we want to talk with Campbell today about all kinds of the power of print and analog culture. Campbell, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. So it's, it's, let's take our audience back a little bit. It's 2003. Um, Internet's huge now. Digital stuff booming all over the place. Everybody's ringing the bell. Print is dead. And, and you decide to start a magazine? Like, how, how, how did you approach beginning this whole thing? Uh, I've worked in magazines for a while. So I've worked in uh, surf and skate and snow publications for uh, probably about five or six years before 2003. And I met a photographer, filmer called Chris Searle, and we'd worked on a couple of projects together, and we would, we'd just finished a film... And we'd been drinking kind of like after the, the film had been put to bed. And we were just talking about that there were no magazines out there. That if you're a skateboarder, that there were magazines that were dedicated to like skateboarding. So when you're on a skateboard and you were doing the tricks, that's what the magazine was all about. But there was nothing that when you put the skateboard down and you had another part or another kind of like side of your life that um, covered that. And so we, we were really interested in that side of, of the sports. And so... To start with, honestly, it was it was like a folio piece for me and Chris. Like we had the magazine which I would design and he would take the majority of the photos for and we thought we'd do five or six issues and it would lead to kind of bigger jobs and, and kind of, you know, work within the industry and it just never stopped and hasn't stopped to this day. So that's kind of the main reason we started it. Just to try it and just and we were we were were really interested in people like ed templeton and thomas campbell and spike jones and and kind of those those kind of people that were were born and bred out of skateboarding and surfing and then had these amazing kind of careers that followed on from that and i think that was something that really interested us and made us want to start the magazine just purely so we could kind of satisfy our inquisitive mind on those things and you obviously felt confident, or maybe you didn't, that there would be enough people that would, would also feel that way and want to have this like sort of all-inclusive magazine. We didn't really even think about that to start with, really. We kind of, we really, in the early days, just just did it. And then kind of once it was there and people saw it and we got the reaction from that, that was what kind of spurred us to keep moving forward. I think... Just having something tactile in your hand as opposed to sending a link to a website or sending a link to an Instagram or whatever it was, like having something arrive in the mail that wasn't a bill and, and you could flick through it in your own time and experience it and, you know, go back to it, I think was really, really special and really important. And that's what Thomas Campbell was a really big kind of um, supporter of the magazine in the early days and kind of when we did a story with him and he did one of our first covers he would show it to friends who would then email us and say, oh, I saw the magazine you did with Thomas. It would be really great if we could do something together. And, and that was kind of like where it all kind of started. Just, and it was really organic and really, and really nice in a way that it wasn't something that we really pushed on people. It was something that once they saw it, they were really excited about the project and kind of wanted to be a part of it. And how, how big were the early issues? I mean, for, for the audience out there now, it's a, it's a sizable magazine. I mean, it's something you're going to really enjoy and read for a while. So how, how big were those first few issues? We pretty much have kept the same page count throughout the whole process. It's been a, it's 120 pages is the, the, the smallest page count we'll do. And then annuals and special issues will go up 
um, issue sizes. But it's been 120 since the beginning. And, um, yeah, I got asked the other day, um, just, is it really easy to do the magazine now as opposed to when I first started? And the answer is a real, like, it's, it's really not. It's kind of each issue is its own little world and beast and kind of you're chasing a whole new bunch of people. And so it's like every issue is, you know, you can kind of design an issue probably quickly, but actually chasing the content and putting it together is still a really time-consuming and laborious kind of love affair. Hmm. But, yeah, to answer your question, 120 pages is what it started as and still is. I wondered if you ever regretted that. (laughs) It seems like a lot (laughs) of work. (laughs) uh, It it is. It's like I think right now I'm on a deadline, like, and we're probably a week week over deadline, and it's like it's torturous. And you go to bed at night, and you know when you drag yourself into bed, and you just go like, "Why do I do this?" But it, it is. It's one of those things. Like I, I get to meet so many amazing people through the magazine, and kind of I've met people that I've looked up to when I was a kid, and kind of had experiences through the magazine that I've, I've never imagined. So those those moments way outweigh the four o'clock in the morning deadline kind of right yeah in the beginning it was just you and chris how many people work on the magazine now so chris doesn't really kind of work on the magazine we have an agency side of the business now that he kind of runs okay he shoots photos for us every now and again we have an office in la with four people and then probably another three or four here so like 10 maybe all up wow that's impressive it is the amount of content that you're creating that's that's really impressive. I think the biggest strength that we've always had with the magazine is we have a really amazing contributor network. We have writers and photographers and filmers and artists all around the world that we can kind of call upon to help out with stories or with story ideas. But like, I think the, the biggest strength is, is that we do have this network and we are finding new people to kind of feature in the magazine each issue just because of the people that we, we know. So I'll get an email from somebody in Germany saying you better check out this artist or something like that and then that's kind of where you know a half the stories come from in the magazine like we still sort a lot of stuff ourselves but there's definitely a lot of like emails and things getting thrown around where we get to uh, experience new people that we would never have seen before right right so so in, in the beginning you mentioned you know like skate culture surf culture snowboard stuff like all, all of those were a little bit separate and when you approached this, was your goal to kind of show the commonality and the, the, the similar interests of those athletes and the, of that culture? Or was it to kind of show the other side of those people? I wanted to dig in a little bit more there because there is a lot of crossover between those those different yeah. groups. There's, there's a lot of crossover and there's also a lot of kind of animosity towards each other, like, you know, skaters. I guess, you know what, in in the last few years, like a lot of skaters I know, surfing a lot more just because it's kind of like when you fall off you don't hurt yourself as, as much <laughs> falling onto the, the man but um i guess in the beginning it was really we just there, there were these interesting characters in all the sports and we were really interested in what they did apart from like surfing like surfing was just the thing that they were known for or skating or snowboarding was what they were known for but there was just like three quarters of their life that you just didn't get to see and right. I think that was the part that really, really interested us. Like it, was, it was just getting to know that side. So just creative people. Like I think that whole Beautiful Losers kind of mm-hmm. collective was really inspiring, like just the, the creative kind of powerhouse that they all were. And, and that just kind of burned us on to kind of to, to find out more about that. There were a couple of like crossover athletes. Like Aussie Wright could skate and surf and was a good friend, and was an artist as well. And, like, I guess he was a really good example of somebody that did both sports but also had this amazing artistic background as well and, and kind of was marketed really amazingly by Volcom back in the day. And just that, his, his whole lifestyle was, like, amazing, just, you know, surfing and skating and drawing on his boards and painting. It was, it was quite a, a beautiful kind of experience there for a while. And I guess that... That would have been one of the, the kind of the people that we focused on back in the day early on as well. So I don't think yeah. that answers your question. I think yeah. to answer your question, it probably we were more focused on the individuals as opposed to the the sports 
Right, right. But coincidentally, like, yeah, it blends it, through it, all it, of them. Yeah. It, it was it was like so there were people like the art dump that worked with girls skateboards were Andy Jenkins and Tony Larson and Mueller and all those guys. What they did for that company was was more interesting to us than kind of what the people were doing on the skateboards. I guess that's what what was really kind of what we were about. Like we loved, you know, like we still kind of like love skating and you know, really appreciate all the skateboarding. Like, you know, Shane O'Neill's got an amazing part out today, but it's what happens off the skateboard that we were really, really right. interested in. Yeah, we, we've, uh, a friend of the Kodakery is Jason Lee, and we've talked to him a lot about, you know, his origins in skate, and then yep. now his beautiful photography work that he's doing, and even all the acting, everything. But, I mean, uh, there, there's been, like, a whole generation of photographers that were created out of skating and surfing, why do you think that the analog culture, like and like the analog film culture and the skate surf culture, have always been so intimately tied together? I guess kind of you have people like Tobin Yellen and Spike and Thomas, and they were, and they got into they, were, they didn't really get taught so much um, photography, so they just went out there and did it. And kind of I think they would have had like an older guy that like showed them a dark room or like showed them how to use something. And that, and it was just a really exciting experimental stage. And I think a lot of the mistakes that kind of were made ended up being kind of iconic images. So there were like a lot of times where they'd go out and there was a light flare or like something happened, a leak in the camera, and that would, that would be the, the image that they used. And I think that experimentation and kind of just passion and youthfulness and being, you know, with the skaters, like if you were with skaters, it's like such an amazing experience to see people like throwing themselves downstairs and, and doing all these crazy things and being able to capture it and having the confidence to capture those images, you know, when your friend's risking his life is, is quite <laughs> an experience. Yeah. So I think especially in those early days, and then kind of the, the new photographers looking back at those iconic images of Tobin Yellens and Thomas's. And like guys like Ed Templeton, who really like documented the travelling lifestyle of a, of a skating pro. I think um, having those images to look at and then try and aspire to is, is something that kind of I don't yeah I don't I, I don't really see that in a lot of other sports. It was just especially with skating and even surfing on the travel aspect of it. I guess I think that was something that's really really important and really special. Yeah, I mean we we definitely see that. There's just a huge passion in the skate community for film, for film photography, for analog photography. Um, yeah. And we have so many people come to us who are either skaters now or were skaters and are like, oh, I learned how to shoot, you know, in the skate park. I learned how to shoot, ride with my friends. And there definitely seems to be more in that community than almost anywhere else in terms of a real love for the, the craft. Yeah, and I've been thinking, yeah. I was just thinking about sort of that, like, you need to be a little bit risky learning photography and when you're a skateboarder you're that's just part of your life is taking yeah. risk too so i don't know maybe there's yeah. some sort of tie in there the the general nature of a skater is more relaxed and willing to attempt things like that i think also the traveling and the camaraderie like greg hunt's a really amazing photographer uh just the way he captures life on the road with photographer uh, with skaters mm -hmm. um his his photos are just so intimate and so kind of personal because he has that relationship with skaters that he's able to kind of have access to those sort of moments mm -hmm. and I think there's just something really beautiful about that kind of film aspect of photography where it's not I don't know like there's something about a digital photo that's just like too perfect like everything and it's instead of shooting like one or two frames of a portrait you've got like 60 because you just hold your finger on the button right and there's something about kind of like actually taking your time and composing a photo and kind of you know, really kind of being in that moment as opposed to just barely looking through a viewfinder and just, like, clicking off frames. And um, I think someone like Greg's really amazing at that because he, he really does capture those moments really thoughtfully. And I think I think having that access into this world and, and us having all these photos is, is really cool. So your magazine is heavily photography-based or image-based. Are all of the images films? Are some digital? How does how do you pick what goes where? It's you know what it's it's it all is based on like what the photo is. We have a lot of like I was saying before, a lot of the, like the action shots and skateboarding is shot on um, digital, just because you have a guy kind of like throwing himself down twenty stairs. You don't want to kind of 
shoot it on film and then have to wait for it to develop to see whether you like got the trick right. like caught properly or so I, I kind of I understand those sort of things where you need sure. to kind of like know on the on the moment and just kind of go I just risked my life to just get that shot because <laughs> we I used to work in skate magazines when it was film and you'd have a guy like do a trick then you'd have to go to like the dark room get all the film process and hope and cross your fingers that you kind of like got the photo right so I think um with those sort of things we, we use digital but we've got stuff this is the other crazy thing about the magazine is as magazines are dying off because print is dying we're getting in touch with photographers that we would never dream of in the um in the early days like uh, we, we did a story with mario sorrenti just recently and to just and like Hedy Slimane shot a few stories for us, so that we're having these kind of like moments now where we're getting in touch with photographers that five years ago we wouldn't have even mentioned their names as far as like stories go, and now because we still print sheet fed and you know we're a quality magazine, all of a sudden these photographers are looking at us as like one of the last avenues to to really show their art. Mm. I, th- I think it's kind of you know you, you have these photos that end up on a on Instagram or or on a website and you really don't appreciate kind of what's gone into that photo or like, you know, the, the different kind of textures within a photo until you actually see it on paper. And that's one of the things that I'm really glad that, that we still do the magazine just to have those kind of every now and again, I'll just like flick through an old magazine and see an image and just go, I'm so glad that that's there that like, you know, my kids or like some, like someone down the track in 10 years can kind of like open a magazine and see those images. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it definitely, I mean, the, the experience of a magazine, turning the page, discovering what's next, forces you to appreciate and take the time to really look at what's in it. Whereas I think it's really easy in, in digital technology and digital culture to just kind of swipe past stuff and just move on. There's so much to look at where having kind of a finite experience where I'm going to sit with this magazine, I'm going to read it and look at it. And I think it's something really valuable and something that maybe people are starting to rediscover again. Oh, for sure. I've been a big kind of supporter of analog. I, I'm interviewing a... I, I'll go on complete kind of like tangents as far as all this sort of stuff goes. But I was interviewing a band the other day and um, we were talking about just guitars and how like they're just like a great analog instrument and, and music is one of the, the last places that have really held that analog kind of status all the way through, like, the history of music, like string instruments and kind of, you know, wind and drums. And although there's, like, a really strong electronic kind of aspect of music, like, you know, a a guitar and a drum or a guitar and a voice is still such an analog thing and just such a beautiful thing. And and it's still, you know, just with those simple, simple kind of things, you can just make anything, like, most amazing music in the world. And I kind of feel, you know, the just people getting a hold of vinyl and shooting film again. I've got friends that have shot digital for like 10 years and are just like putting their digital cameras down and and getting film and really enjoying taking photos again, like really enjoying going out and shooting and having that experience of kind of a bit of wonder and a bit of, you know, a bit of risk about getting film back and going, oh, I got that shot, it's amazing. Like, I, I think also just kind of things made of quality, like things not made to kind of, an iPhone 1 to 7 in three years, I think having a camera that was built in the 60s and still takes photos just as good as it did the day it was built is really important and really special. And I think younger kids especially are really starting to appreciate that, that having something that's kind of tactile but you, and you can have it, like maybe your dad gave you a camera and kind of, you know, you, you kind of like you possess it and you want to hold it and, and love it and look after it and kind of, I think there's something really amazing about that side of the whole analog culture as well. Yeah, there's a whole generation of youth that are discovering it for the first time even. So it's like they're falling in love with it for the same reasons that it was once appreciated in the past. So it's kind of cool because that may push society in a in a direction that we haven't seen yet yeah and it's not it's not necessarily nostalgia like it's something that i i we we hear people say a lot is like oh well people are interested in film from nostalgia but when you've got a an 18 year old or a 20 year old coming in going i'm shooting film it's not nostalgia they've never experienced it before they're discovering it for themselves and and i I do kind of feel sorry for kids that are growing up in, in today's technology like things happen so fast and they consume things at such a speed 
I've got like a, a little 14-year-old daughter and, and you know, the, the, the amount of things that are thrown at her through her screens is crazy. And I kind of, I have friends that are like a bit older than that and they're kind of putting their phones down and kind of, and, and they're liking the, the idea of slowing things down to whether it's like a record, like you actually have to kind of like physically, you know, turn it over and mm-hmm. put a, a, like a needle on a groove or load film into a camera and then you have to wait for the film to come back but it allows you that time to slow down and kind of you know use your mind and, and imagine and kind of like dream and I, and I think that's a really important thing that analog lets you do it's like slows everything down because the, the way a lot of the culture is headed at the moment it's just so fast and, and I I like the magazines because they kind of like they can be a bit of a time capsule of a certain period that you can go back to. Whereas mm-hmm. I kind of find that once things are on the internet or on the web, it's like they're lost in the sea, and it's like quite tricky to go back and find them. Yeah, it's continually Whereas updated. Them, yeah, yeah, it's like you know, once you've scrolled down like four scrolls, it's kind of like that's it, it's gone, kind of yeah. this ether. Yeah, and, and I think it speaks. Uh, one of the questions I want to ask is is uh, the magazine's beautifully designed. Like it's obvious that you're very meticulous about how you're laying it out and uh, how you're approaching it. And it's it's like an object, like a beautifully designed object that you would want to keep. And uh, is that do you, do you think that's obviously intentional? Do you think that's part of what kind of helps with its success? And do you see more magazines that are being successful approaching it in that way? It wasn't until like probably midway through like you know five or six years into doing it that we realized that this is this is what we were doing like there was no kind of it wasn't like a folio piece for some other job mysterious job that we weren't going to get and we we started referring to it as a book like it was really we do four a year so it was like we did these four books a year and they were a magazine format but everything else about them was done in a way that kind of if you went back 20, 20 years from now that you would look at it and it would still be kind of something you would want to pick up and you would look at and, and appreciate the photos and the design and the way it was put together. Yeah, I definitely think the magazines that you kind of like see that are, are falling off are like those weekly magazines that all the kind of the trashy stuff that you can, you can get off the internet, whereas magazines that are kind of standing the test of time are magazines that are a bit more thoughtful and, you know, you, you do want to spend time with them. And I always liked the idea that when I went to someone's house that they had the magazine stacked up on the bookshelf. So it was like a, a book of sorts that you saw the spines all in the bookshelf there and, and you know, they were looking after the, the magazine and they wanted it to last. It wasn't like in a bathroom getting about to be thrown away like a week later. It was okay. something that you kind of cherished and you kind of, you know, Every time you moved house, you had to pack the magazines up and take them with you kind of thing. Right. We've just talked a ton about having that tactile experience, but you do pair your magazine with a website as well. Yeah. And that has a ton of great stuff on it too. How long has that been around compared to when you started your magazine in general? Well, you know what? We started that website. We've got a really good friend of ours from Australia called Jonathan Zawada, and he's like an amazing artist, like a freak of nature and he was really into building websites way back in the day and the first website he built for us was this like Mario Brothers kind of website <laughs> we actually had to move the character around the screen <laughs> to navigate through the different kind of sections of the website and people hated it because they couldn't work it out and we loved the fact that no one could work it out and, <laughs> and it was just like it really made people angry and I think he did like probably three or four of our websites and they were all equally frustrating kind of you know, they were built in a way to kind of not be easy and, and kind of you had to sit there and work out exactly what was going on with the navigation and stuff like that. And then I guess kind of like five or so years ago, we, we built a like professional, we'll call it, like website. And I guess that that was always meant to be an accompaniment to the, the magazine because we did for a year in between those four issues, there was always things that we wanted to cover and, and kind of stories that we wanted to show and then we started doing a lot more like like little films and things like that and we've done a couple of like little documentaries and and so the website was always a great great platform to kind of put those sort of that sort of work out and I think that's one thing that Chris and I as we've gone 
like move forward, we we both have kind of stepped into that kind of world world of directing kind of those films and things like that. And it's been exciting and interesting to kind of just move off of a, a print platform into a film platform and just kind of just playing around with that and kind of having some experiments over there, which has been fun as well. And it's, it's a progression because we've been doing it for so long. It's nice to have something new to kind of focus on and, yeah. and take your mind off the magazine for a while. I bet. Do you find that the digital tools, social media, the the the, uh, the website, are supporting the magazine, like helping it reach new audience, keeping people sustained between issues, things like that? Uh, it definitely, it definitely probably um, gets more people aware of the magazine. I don't know. Like I kind of go through waves with, with the internet. Like every now and again, I'll like see something that I really like on the internet, and I'll really appreciate it. And then you know, I, I get really. I, Someone asked me this question once that was like, what, like, it was, it was to do with Instagram. It's like, what do you get out of Instagram? And like, I went home and I was like thinking about it and I really didn't have like an answer that it was like, there was something that I, I like stopped, I put the Instagram down. I just went, oh, that was, that was good. I feel good. Or like, I feel inspired or I don't know. It, it just seems like a real fake representation of life. There's no one there that's just putting up feeds. It's like, I really, you know, unhappy this morning and had a coffee. Everyone's smiling and traveling to amazing places. And I, I kind of feel like everybody's just trying to out happy or out, <laughs> I don't know. It's Impress. just kind of, there's it, it, yeah. just something not quite right about social media, how it, it doesn't show two sides of a story. Oh, it's really that. kind of yeah. like this one glossy kind of, um, glossy kind of world. So I don't know. The thing that depresses me about the internet is we'll do the most, like we, we did a story on an earthquake in Christchurch and it was amazing, kind of like, this, like it's this tragic story down in New Zealand and we went and interviewed these skateboarders down there about kind of life in Christchurch after this earthquake and, and then we spent three months down there and did this seven minute like documentary and it was amazing, I was really proud of it. We put that on the website and then kind of there'll be a photo of like a girl kind of like the next post and she'll get more likes than like this documentary that you spent three months on. So there's just like things like that. And I don't know whether that's my readership or what it is, but I just feel the internet that's just, it's, I don't know. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. That yeah. Could, that it can be, it's just can be really like depressing sometimes. Like you just, <laughs> you look at it and you see, you know, like it's like Instagram's top five users are like the Kardashians and Justin Bieber. And it's like anything but that is the apex of what I'm aspiring to be. I kind of feel like there's something not quite right about that. Like, I hope there's, like, a really big <laughs> cultural shift in the world well, and kind of people are aware that, like, Katy Perry doesn't mean... Like, I don't care what Katy Perry has to say about politics. Like, I, I, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, I mean, I don't, think, of, I don't think that'll ever go away. Like, you're making, no. you're making a magazine and there's also yeah. magazines that Katy Perry is in, but there's just, yeah. like, there's always going to be that, like, trashy, immediate gross thing (laughs) and then somebody like you who's like taking the time to you know so no matter what platform it is instagram books whatever you gotta just keep on keeping on yeah 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 (laughs) and and uh it is it is weird sometimes the almost the prism that the internet can sort of reflect any viewpoint you want any fact you want any anything you want like it it isn't a place necessarily sometimes to go for fact i mean we've We've talked about this a few different times on this show about how news has changed, about how things are different. But print is a place where people still go for reliable reporting, for solid content, for long-form things that have kind of been lost on the Internet. Well, I guess the Internet's not curated. Like, you create it to, you curate it to, a, to a certain aspect, like, by the sites that you follow, but it's still kind of like the world, like anybody, like Wikipedia, like anybody can kind of go up there and like add to that. Or it's like what you said, if you, if you have a child, you can pretty much find a foreign against for every single ailment in the world. It's like, (laughs) it's it's kind of crazy. Like my girl and I like, we'll go on online and we'll be like, one of our kids got a tick. And I was just like, you go in there and there's like about a thousand different ways to remove a tick. And every single one of those people are like, this is the only way you should do it. Oh, yeah. If you do it any other yeah. way, like you'll die. Yeah. Like right yeah. Oh, I know. So that works for everything, kind of, you know. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, so something you said earlier when you mentioned that the image of the woman got more likes than your the earthquake piece. Okay, I'm a little interested to ask you about the 
somewhat nudity in your magazine. Uh, we don't have to talk about the whole thing, but you do usually have a picture on page 33. Of yeah, which we, you'll be glad to know. Is we're, so we're doing, a, uh, doing an issue with Stanley Donald, who's the creative director for Radiohead. Mm-hmm. And um, we're, so we're, every time we do an issue, we kind of give them the, the grid and we say, you can do whatever you want. And so we go through like previous magazines and what's kind of gone in them. And he um, he didn't want to do the page three three, which, to be honest, like I like it's one of those things that we battle with internally in here all the time because so many people like it, but then you know I've got a daughter and, and my girlfriend hates me, kind of like hates the page in the magazine, and, and kind of so we're constantly kind of like going, but you know, people want it, but I don't really want to see it. Yeah. Um, so the the next issue with Stanley, he's just written feminist across two pages. <laughs> and so we decided that that is the um, the bookmark for that whole side of that thing, and that it won't be happening anymore. So actually, quite happy about that. Wow, Ma- yeah, Megan so. is actually there was a fist pump a second ago. She was <laughs> yeah, you know what? It's a fist pump for me as well because nice. I really, I really kind of struggled with it. And then when he sent through the artwork for this, I was just like, that's it. Like right. that, yeah, that's just done. And it's kind of. Uh, yeah. Well, I was going to ask why why thirty three if there was like a significance there. Uh, it was like page three, like the Sunday papers or the papers in in mm-hmm. the UK had to do the page three girl. Like we were just doing a funny thing. When we started this thing, we were in our twenties. Oh yeah. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, so you you just mentioned uh, Stanley Donwood from Radiohead is art directing the new issue. Yeah. 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 Tell, tell so us about it. It's not so much art directing, he's like the guest editor. So we just pretty much give him the issue and kind of he chooses what goes in it. And, and uh, he lives in Bath in the UK, so we went over there and visited him, him there just before Glastonbury. And um, yeah, it was amazing. He's like a big, I'm a huge fan of his work. And he, just talking of analog, he's like, like no other man kind of, you know, can barely use a computer. Well, yeah, he'd probably be insulted if I said that. He can use a computer, but... A lot of the work he does is kind of off a computer and then brought into a computer to finish. But yeah, it was amazing spending time with him and just hearing about all the different records and how they were all brought together. And he really is part of the creative experience with those guys, the process with those guys. So it was really great kind of getting time to spend with him. But then also there's like three people that he's got in the next issue that have all passed away. So it's like he's completely referenced a whole bunch of people that we've never heard of and um it's really just great to kind of go into someone's mind and just get put onto a whole bunch of things you've just never heard of and, and never imagined you'd be kind of reading about like 18th century etches and kind of things like that so it's, it's really it's been a really cool experience jason lee did one of the get that issues before as well went out to texas and hung out with him cool that's um, awesome yeah when yeah when will that new issue be available november and, and how can people get it? It's stopped in newsstands in the States. Okay. I'm not sure. Like, I have no idea where they are, but it's in some of them. But then I guess you can um, subscribe. And I was going to say, go, can you get a subscription? Online. Yeah. 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 And if you go online, you can find out where to get it and all that sort of thing. Cool. Awesome. So as you've gone through the, the magazine, you've worked on it, how, how has the collaborative process changed and how have you guys changed and how you're approaching each issue from when you started till now? It was kind of funny. I think we had, like, a hit list of people that we wanted to talk to when we were, like, first started the issue. And then, like, once we got to the end of that, which was, like, a pretty significant, like, hit list, like, once we got everybody that we we wanted to talk to on that, it was literally, like, Chris and I, like, sitting there scratching our heads, just kind of going, all right, what's next? And I think as we've grown older, I personally have gotten a lot more into music and, and things like that. So a lot of the the magazines kind of, like, started skewing a lot more towards music and, and kind of that was like a big inspiration for me. And then we kind of hired some younger editors and people to work for us and, and them kind of coming in and bringing their ideas as kind of like refreshing the whole process. Where I was starting to talk to like old musicians and, and getting really excited about the guitars they were playing and things like that. So kind of having young people come in and being kind of re-inspiring me to kind of like think about kind of art and, and kind of young new skaters and things like that. But um, the creative process is really, because it is still us, like there's no higher power than whoever's in the room here. 
it, it, it ends up being kind of really last minute a lot of the times as well. Like, I just heard about this guy that's doing this crazy stuff. We should do something and kind of six pages appear so we can kind of, you know, put that into the magazine. I really love that too. We, to, to this day, we always get asked, like, what's happening in the next issue and it's kind of, I don't really know yet. <laughs> I, have to, I have to wait. There's obviously some long lead stuff that we do, but a lot of the time it's really kind of, like, we... We finish a magazine and then I'll disappear for a week or two and kind of go travelling or do something and then kind of come back and get my head back in the game and try and, like, work out. And, we, you know, we literally have a blank grid and we'll sit down around a table and start filling some holes and then we'll start working on that and then while we're working on that, other, like, things will come into play and, and that sort of stuff. And um, I really like that. I really like the idea that it's not too kind of thought out and things are quite spontaneous. And if something does come across the desk that we really like, that we can kind of put it in. And, and uh, you know, we, we really love working with young photographers and, and young artists and just to kind of give people a platform to showcase their work, I think it's really important. And there's nothing like, like being a photographer or a young photographer and kind of like seeing your photo first on print. I think that's still really special as opposed to kind of you know, scrolled on a website, like actually yeah. open a magazine, turn to a page, there's your photo that you took, you know, and, and there it is. And I think um, that's a really important part of the magazine that I really love that still exists. Cool. In the beginning, I had asked you, you obviously thought there was a, a group of people that were that wanted get whatever you were putting into this magazine. You said you hadn't really considered them. Do you now consider your audience at all? I mean, with, you know the internet being the way it is, you probably get a lot of reactions or responses. Does that does that get in your process at all? Or are you just like, here's what I want to do? There's a lot of here's what I want to do. But there's still, there is elements of kind of, the thing with Monster Children that we've learned that we kind of show ourselves in the foot about is because we're so diverse with the content that we put in. Like we've got guys like Andrew Quilty shooting from Afghanistan and like we're running covers from Afghanistan of like, um, refugees to kind of skateboarding to surfing to music we disperse our audience so widely that um so if you're a surf mag and all you do is surf or if you're a skate mag and all you do is skate the audience knows exactly what you're going to get every time like there's no surprises whereas with us sometimes it works in our favor and sometimes it doesn't like sometimes a heady slamane fashionesque kind of shot People just go, oh, like, what the hell are you doing? Like, what is this? Some people get it and some people don't. And so it's really hard to go into a magazine and go, okay, our reader is an 18 to 24-year-old male and he likes, you know, skateboarding and goes to the movies on the weekend. Like, it's, it's virtually impossible for us to do that. Yeah. So we really have to kind of like just rely on our own gut instinct and kind of what we want to see in the magazine and kind of hope that reflects you know, well with the audience. I think as soon as we start kind of taking surveys and, and doing that sort of like, yeah. you know, what do you want to see? Like, what what are we not doing? Then we're in trouble. Yeah, it's like you're truly like a curator at a art gallery or something, you know? It's, it's yeah, something they maybe of... not, they don't even know they want to see or even if it, if, even if it affects them in a way they don't like, it's still affecting them. Yeah. <laughs> They're feeling something. Yeah, I think I think as well, as long as you're kind of like pushing buttons to some extent, I think that that's a good thing. And also, the other beautiful thing about the magazine is because it's just us. Uh, if someone does write in and say, "How come you don't do like more of this?" It's it's simple as like writing an email back, just going, "Okay, we'll send us a story and we'll put it in the magazine." Kind of, and we've always had that. If anyone's had like a, a disagreement or or something. But they haven't liked in the magazine, like say, like the page thirty-three thing. Like, if we ever got an email back about that, we would respond to it and have like a conversation about it, and then offer like an alternative. Like, if you, I think we did an issue with Steph Gilmore, who's a pro surfer, and she was the guest editor, and she put a guy as the page thirty-three. So there's always kind of like those moments where it's kind of cool. We open it up to the audience, and like, if you want to submit something, or and we run a lot of photos and stories and people have just like cold called us or emailed us and said I've got this really good idea for a story or here's some photos like what do you think we'll run those so I like the fact that A that we still kind of maintain some kind of curatorship over the issues and it's not something that's kind of you know what it's Joey 
Simpson wants and where he comes from. Right. But then also that we have the opportunity to get an email from somebody and they can send into photos and we can go, yeah, let's run that. That's like a cool story. Like I think people need to see that. I think it's one of the things that gives the magazine its its voice is the fact that it comes from a consistent kind of creative standpoint of like we these are the things we're interested in. If you in, want to check them out, they're in here, and if you don't, you don't. But like it, it feels like to me, what was one of the things that surprised me the most about it when I got it was like the sense of discovery. Like I didn't know what to expect as I went through it. What is what's the next article going to be? What's the next story going to be? And it, it really engaged me. Like I was really excited about it. So, so a couple of questions I wanted to ask before. I want to be mindful of your time. Has print technology impacted how you're producing the magazine? Are, is it, are, are you able to do more different things because there's all the different digital printing options and different substrates, or is it pretty much the same as you're, you're approaching it the same as when you started? We pretty much approach it the way we started. Digital still isn't at the level that we would like just quality-wise. We sheet-fed the magazine. We, we print out of Canada in the United States, and we have a, a sheephead printing house here in Australia. And they're still like old, kind of the old kind of 12 color presses. And um, as far as printing goes, it, it hasn't really changed. Well, the printers will probably tell me it has, but <laughs> I'm one of those guys, it's like an old dog that doesn't know, like, doesn't have any new tricks. So I kind of I don't know a lot of like quick keys on computers and also like as far as printing goes I know there's spot colours and you know varnishes and metallics and things like that to use but apart from those sort of things I don't really muck around with it too much I, I kind of like a big believer of letting a photo kind of like tell the story so I don't want to like put too many special bells and whistles around it Right. Um, I don't think I really answered your question but we use the same presses we probably did when we started is what I'm saying so yeah we haven't gone to web and we haven't gone to digital. We, we might do some short run zines every now and again that go digital and that's really fun just because it's kind of quick turnaround and it's just kind of like something fun for us. But the magazine itself is, is sheet fed and we've played around in the past like trying to do different things with printers and we've always found that if you go with like a really good solid old school printer, you get the best product and we've kind of haven't really changed too much for a few years now. Does the thrill of getting it back from the printer ever go away? I mean, oh, you know what? I hate I hate the magazine when it comes back. <laughs> you it hate takes it. me a couple of months. It takes me a couple of months to kind of like make it my friend again. Because usually, by the time I like send it to print, I've, you know, you like know where every full stop is, right. and you usually you've spent so much time on it. And then also the thing, it's just like double edged sword with doing a magazine for yourself, like self publishing a magazine. Is there's no one. You can't blame anyone. So if you go, I would love to have done that, but like the publisher told me I couldn't, or I would love to have used that colour, but the publisher told me I couldn't. We don't have that. So when you get a magazine back, you're, you're constantly kind of going, why didn't I just try and do that or do this a bit different? Or So you, the, the good thing about a magazine is you get to do it over and over again to, to try and get that perfect issue. But the bad thing is you have no excuses but yourself to kind of like push yourself further as far as the... I'm like a really simple, clean designer as well. So I get things back and I go, like, I should try and be a bit more risky. Like, I've got friends like Neil Callahouse who does a lot of these amazing, like, film posters and they're just beautiful, you know, really experimental kind of things. But it's a single page, so he gets to spend, like, labour, like, you know, a few months on these, like, single pages where I have 120 pages that I have to do. Like, it ends up being, like, within a couple of weeks. And so you do have to kind of get them out pretty quickly. So then when you get the magazine back, you're kind of like, oh, I should have done this a bit better. I should have done something different there. Yeah, yeah. I'll do it on the next one. So it's constantly kind of, I think, who was it? I think, um, like, speaking of Radiohead, they were saying that they go into the studio with this idea of a record that they want to make, and then they never quite get there, so they keep going back into the studio, like, and oh, this will be the time we get that record that we, like, we've all got in our mind. Mm-hmm. So they just keep going back in to try and get that, like, that sound that they're, like, like, striving and looking for i kind of feel like that's what the magazine is as well like every like i don't look back over the last like 50 issues and go i really like you know number 27 i'm constantly kind of going all right like maybe the next one like there's covers and things throughout the issues that if i put them all together i could make an ultimate magazine but there's always things within magazines that i kind of go well i could have done that differently or not really happy with that or maybe we can change that right so 
when I get the magazine back, I hate it. And then it takes me, and then I'll like find one on a coffee table like two months later and like flick through and go, that's oh, not bad. It's pretty good. Kind of. Excellent. So, so as a, as a, as kind of a final question, um, you guys have, have really created a, a successful print magazine at a time when so many people thought print would be over and gone. When you look out to the future, you think about the work that you're doing now, do you see print as being viable? If somebody's out there right now going, man, I really want to start a magazine, is that the craziest thing they could do? Or is this something that you see as it has a future and it's going to be here for a while? Like how, where do you see print in 10 years? It's a real, it's a really hard, stupid thing to do. <laughs> it's, it's kind of everything, like a kind of everything's against you. As like, I don't want to be like a pessimist and say like, this is, but do not do this. I, I think there's a great future for, for print media, and I think print media is so important to kind of like our culture, especially. But it, it is really hard, and uh, and the thing that. The thing that kind of supports print media is advertising, and at the moment, all all advertisers want are like content pieces and and online things. So once the advertiser's mind is switched around that like print media is important again, then that's when kind of like print will thrive. But right now, it's a really tricky period because people like the reason we get away with it is because we do content pieces with the, like the print magazine is like the hub, and then we do all these other things around it that support it. But um, it's it's really tricky, and I really really love print more than anything else that I do. But it is it's like it can be a lot of hard work. But I would recommend it, maybe. <laughs> it's good. It's fair. It's fair. Yeah. It is fair. <laughs> it is. It's just it's just the hardest thing in the world right now is like going to like someone like going to like a company and saying. You know, you've got to be in print media. Like, I, know, I understand that you're doing a 30-second clip on Instagram, but that's going to be gone tomorrow, whereas the magazine will be here forever, and, like, you know, you'll be part of that kind of, you know, like, that place in time where people will look back and go, oh, like, they, they were doing such iconic things, and it's it's just really tricky because, like, I guess kind of, you know, as a company, you, you're, like, you're here in the here and now, and you want to, like, sell things straight away. And this is like the, the real commercial reality of a, of a magazine. Like we survive off advertising in the magazine. It's not through our love. It's like, see, this is the thing. It's such a painful thing. It's like a labor of love, but then you also have to kind of like sell it to kind of keep it going. Right. Um, I don't know. There's no real easy way to answer that. I wish that print magazines would survive and my kids get to pick up magazines and get to like... You know, if they wanted to, to to work on magazines, they were there. Books will never go away. Like, people are reading books more so than ever. So, like, I can't see that magazines are going to go anywhere. And I love print media, and I love kind of, like, what it represents. Yeah. yeah. It's a very fair answer. And, and uh, I do think what you're doing on Monster Children is is something that it, it sets, to me, it sets an example for what print media should look toward. Like, it's has a unique voice. It has beautiful design it's something that you want to keep you want to hold on to it's not disposable in the way that maybe people have thought about magazines in the past so i think it's a great example and really important thanks so much i think when i say that i hate the magazine there's i can't remember who told me like the quote that i read somewhere and it was like never be satisfied with anything you you do ever and it was like i think that what i started doing when i first got the magazine back was just looking for mistakes Mm -hmm. and that was that was just the the path that I led down as far as now when I look at them, I just don't want to look at it for a while just to kind of, I know there's something wrong in there somewhere, kind of one of those sort of things. Right. I love getting the magazine and smelling it and kind of holding it <laughs> and kind of, I always love the covers, so I always like to see what the cover turned out like, but it's just kind of, it is because you are so close to it that it is something that you just need to put put aside for a couple of weeks and just like let it sit there before well, you kind of you care. go back into it again. Right. Yeah, it is. Right. And, and what, this is the other huge thing about it, is if we, when we work with a photographer or somebody, like, all I want to do is make them happy. Like, all I, I kind of strive to do is, is get an email or a phone call from a photographer saying, hey, I just got the new magazine. I thought it turned out amazingly. I'm, like, so happy. Like, the last thing you want to hear is, like, oh, the photos are a bit muddy and you spelt someone's name wrong, kind of. So there's that pressure. You're always kind of, like, just going, oh, God, like, you 
put a magazine in the mail and like cross your fingers that everything kind of is is how it should be. So yeah, I think I think that's also, and especially now that we're dealing with like photographers that I like really have kind of held in such high regard that all I want to do is kind of make sure the magazine's printed really beautifully and and kind of you know they get the magazine back and they're happy and their photos look great and you know yep. and, and everybody's kind of like got a really great experience out of the whole process. Do you think that um, having it, like as Monster Children almost evolved into a media brand in its own way? I mean, actually, it hasn't almost. It is. um, Do you see that as being part of that future for print? Like it can't just be print. It has to be a part of this other kind of ecosystem of media. Yeah, I think so. I think think if you're in print media now that you have to kind of diversify what you do and you have to be clever, it's all still still telling the same story and it's all still um like i kind of feel one of the reasons that we're kind of have had the success we have is is we don't try and sell anything too much to kind of the people we talk to and they believe us and they respect what we do and kids can call bullshit on things really really quickly like if they if you do something and they go hang on you're selling me something there aren't you they know yeah through social media editing they just call you out like straight straight to your face like like on a comment like like, you know, I, I think we put a photo up on Instagram like a few, a year or so ago, and it was just like an ad, and they're just kind of like slow, slow day in the office or something. You know what I mean? Just kind of, you're like, oh, Jesus Christ. They're like, <laughs> there's no escaping them. Yeah. But, but um, you, do, you do have to kind of, you have to be clever. You have to kind of think about the landscape you're working within, and you have to, you know, realize the people that you're, you're marketing towards and, and the people that you're trying to, like, your readership and, and what they want to see. And I think the print magazine is, is the footstone of what we do and everything that we do is surrounding around that. But we definitely do things, you know, online and activations and, and all those sort of, like, key ad word things that people say. Like, we do do all that sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, our heart and soul is in the magazine. Yeah. Fantastic. It shows. Absolutely. Doing a great job. Yep. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for joining us. No, thank you. I really appreciate it. It is a great satisfaction to be able to speak to you through the medium of this wonderful invention.